This is section 84 of Mark Twain, a biography. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, a biography. Volume 1, Part 2, 1866 to 1875. Chapter 84, Roughing It. Telegram to Redpath. How in the name of God does a man find his way from here to Amherst, and when must he start? Give me full particulars, and send a man with me. If I had another engagement, I would rot before I would fill it. S. L. Clemens this was at the end of February, and he believed that he was standing on the platform for the last time. He loathed the drudgery of the work, and he considered there was no further need. He was no longer in debt, and his income he accounted ample. His new book, Roughing It—it was Bliss who had given the new book the title of Roughing It. Innocence at Home had been its provisional title—certainly a misleading one though it has been retained in England for the second volume, for what reason it would be difficult to explain, had had a large advance sale, and its earnings promised to rival those of the innocents. He resolved in the future to confine himself to the trade and profits of authorship. The new book had advantages in its favor. Issued early in the year, it was offered at the best canvassing season, particularly so as the author's lectures had prepared the public for its reception. Furthermore, it dealt with the most picturesque phases of American life, scenes and episodes vastly interesting at that time, and peculiarly adapted to Mark Twain's literary expression. In a different way, roughing it is quite as remarkable as The Innocents Abroad. If it has less charm, it has greater interest, and it is by no means without charm. There is something delicious, for instance, in this bit of pure enjoyment of the first day's overland travel. It was now just dawn, and as we stretched our cramped legs full length on the mail sacks and gazed out through the windows across the wide wastes of greensward clad in cool, powdery mist, to where there was an expectant look in the eastern horizon, our perfect enjoyment took the form of a tranquil and contented ecstasy. The stage whirled along at a spanking gait, the breeze flapping the curtains and suspended coats in a most exhilarating way. The cradle swayed and swung luxuriously, the pattering of the horse's hoofs, the cracking of the driver's whip, and his hee glang were music. The spinning ground and the waltzing trees appeared to give us a mute hurrah as we went by, and then slack up and look after us with interest and envy or something and as we lay and smoked the pipe of peace and compared all this luxury with 
the years of tiresome city life that had gone before it we felt that there was only one complete and satisfying happiness in the world and we had found it also there is that lofty presentation of south pass and a picture of the alkali desert so parching so withering in its choking realism that it makes the throat ache and the tongue dry to read it just a bit of the desert in passing the sun beats down with a dead blistering relentless malignity the perspiration is welling from every pore in man and beast but scarcely a sign of it finds its way to the surface it is absorbed before it gets there there is not the faintest breath of air stirring there is not a merciful shred of cloud in all the brilliant firmament there is not a living creature visible in any direction whither one searches the blank level that stretches its monotonous miles on every hand there is not a sound not a sigh not a whisper not a buzz or a whir of wings or distant pipe of bird not even a sob from the lost souls that doubtless people that dead air as for the humor of the book it has been chiefly famous for that buck fanshaw's funeral has become a classic and the purchase of the mexican plug but it is to no purpose to review the book here in detail we have already reviewed the life and environment out of which it grew without doubt the story would have contained more of the poetic and contemplative in which he was always at his best if the subject itself as in the innocents had lent itself oftener to this form of writing it was the lack of that halo perhaps which caused the new book never quite to rank with its great forerunner in public favor there could hardly be any other reason it presented a fresher theme it abounded in humor technically it was better written seemingly it had all the elements of popularity and of permanence it did in fact possess these qualities but its sales except during the earlier months of its canvas never quite equaled those of the innocents abroad roughing it was accepted by the public for just what it was and is a great picture of the overland pioneer days a marvelous picture of frontier aspects at a time when the frontier itself even with its hardships and its tragedies was little more than a vast primal joke when all frontiersmen were obliged to be laughing philosophers in order to survive the stress of its warfares a word here about this western humor it is a distinct product it grew out of a distinct condition the battle with the frontier the fight was so desperate to take it seriously was to surrender women laughed that they might not weep men when they could no longer swear western humor was the result it is the freshest wildest humor in the world but there is tragedy behind it 
Roughing It presented the picture of those early conditions with the startling vividness and truth of a great novel, which, in effect, it was. It was not accurate history, even of the author's own adventures. It was true in its aspects rather than in its details. The greater artist disregards the truth of detail to render more strikingly a phase or a condition, to produce an atmosphere, to reconstruct a vanished time. This was what Mark Twain did in Roughing It. He told the story of overland travel and the frontier for his own and future generations, in what is essentially a picaresque novel, a work of unperishing fiction founded on fact. The sales of Roughing It during the first three months aggregated nearly 40,000 copies, and the author was lavishly elate accordingly. To Orion, who had already closed his career with Bliss, by exercise of those hereditary eccentricities through which he so often came to grief, he gave $1,000 out of the first royalty check, in acknowledgment of the memorandum book and other data which Orion had supplied. Clemens believed the new book would sell 100,000 copies within the year, but the sale diminished presently, and at the end of the first year it was considerably behind the innocents for the same period. As already stated, it required ten years for roughing it to reach the 100,000 mark, which the innocents reached in three. End of chapter 84 Roughing It Read by John Greenman